Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. Is everyone doing well? All right. I'm doing something for the very first time today. I've been telling you it's coming and it is here. I am preaching and experiencing church with you with sound. Uh, I would say somewhat being the fullness of sound. I am wearing hearing aids. Can you see them? There they are right there. And so uh, the Lord hath provided, and I am grateful for that. Uh, I said it a few weeks ago. Uh, Yeah, thank you. I said it a few weeks ago that um, there's, you remember that verse where Peter is walking down the road there in Jerusalem and uh, the guy's lame and he says, silver and gold have I none. I'm not sure if he's lame. He was in an ailment of some type. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. And I was going to say that doesn't give you the excuse not to give unless you have none. That makes sense? So you can give monetarily and you can give spiritually, both, all the above. Sometimes you can give a financial gift and it will change somebody's life. I'm hearing all kinds of stuff. And we're going to find out today whether you have been saying that you're saying amen and then blaming it on the guy who had the disability for not hearing it or you have actually been saying amen and I haven't been hearing it. But we're going to find out today. We're going to find out today. And I'm not going to touch my hearing aid because it'll go wee if I do it. But I'm going to say either you are a truther or you're a liar. And we're going to find out today. So if you have been saying that you're saying amen but haven't been doing it, today you're being exposed by the Spirit of God and these hearing aids. Okay? So that's what's going to happen today. Everybody good? Praise God. Therefore, justice is far from us. Righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, but behold, darkness. For brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope all along the wall like blind men. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at midday as in the twilight. Among those who are vigorous, we are like dead men. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none for salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. For our transgressors are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing and denying the Lord and turning away from God, speaking oppression and revolt. Conceiving in and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. And truth has stumbled in the street. Uprightness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking. And he who turns aside from the evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw and it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. And he saw that there was no man who was astonished that there was no one to intercede. 
Then his own arm brought salvation to him and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness like a breastplate. And a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. And according to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the coastlands. He will make recompense so that they will fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. A redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn away from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. This is Isaiah 59. And the Pharisee of Pharisees, as Paul describes himself, this expert in the law, this teacher who has now found Christ, writes to the church that needs to be armored up. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your weight with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Remembering the words of Isaiah, as much as Isaiah was prophesying to Israel, Paul prophesies to you right now. It's time to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Father God, we thank you for the word of God this morning. We thank you for the spirit of God who illuminates the scriptures and make them relevant. We pray that you would give us understanding to see the word and to not only be hearers but doers also of the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, I heard you loud and clear. Isaiah prophesied that truth has fallen in the streets. So therefore you need the belt of. And now he's saying we've got righteousness. God looked for a righteous man and he couldn't find one. So he brings forth this righteous man. And that righteous man he brings forth, this warring king is wearing a breastplate of righteousness. And now he's telling us little Christian to emulate the Christ and to be armored up as King Warring Jesus is, having put on a belt of truth and now having put on a breastplate of righteousness. So today in our series on the armor of God, we're going to talk about that breastplate of righteousness. For whatever reason, it seems to be that righteousness can be a contentious subject, and I don't think that it is, but some people just kind of argue, is it, how does righteousness work and all this kind of stuff. I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, I'm talking to a church at the armory, I'm talking to the people I'm looking at right now. I'm here to tell you that of all the different elements that the armor represents, truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, right, shield of faith, the sword of the word or the spirit, of all the things that I think that we already do well, it is my heartfelt conviction that this church 
has down the best of them all, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to explain that. I also want to say, I just want to say this. Can, can y'all, I, I'm talking to you as a pastor for a second before I actually preach the message. There seemed to be, over the last few years, this thing that I observed, and I'm not sure if everybody observed it, but it seemed to be that everything that was filtered in our hearts wasn't filtered through the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, righteousness didn't cover our hearts. We were left exposed and the fiery darts of the enemy were able to plant seeds of offense and rejection and whatever else you want to put in our hearts and it seemed like we were exposed, shot to the heart and we felt it sting and we had to recover and heal. But I think that I have observed over the last year or six months that's not the case anymore. I'm looking at a church who's less offended more apt to forgive, more apt to treat people who do them wrong with, with mercy and forgiveness. And, and there was a time, and I say this with all love and respect, if you would run those people through the time, there was a time that even I felt like mature believers were struggling, not looking at anybody. I felt like mature believers were struggling. I'm like, you're not supposed to have this reaction. You're a mature believer. Oops, sorry, didn't mean to touch my hair and aid there on you. You're not supposed to have this reaction. And I see less and less. I see mature believers acting like mature believers again. I see people with their heart covered with righteousness. I see people who are, who are, like I said, merciful, quick to forgive, who are slow to eat of bitter roots, who are acting like Christ. And we may need improvement in truth. We may need improvement in the sword. We may need improvement in faith. We may need improvement in salvation. And we probably need some improvement when it comes to righteousness. But I think righteousness is one thing this church, these people have pretty much down pretty good. To your testimony, I say that. Well, we're going to talk about it today. Okay? What does the breastplate of righteousness do? To better understand why we even need this piece of armor, this breastplate that goes over our chest, that protects our vital organs, okay? That protects our heart. Metaphorically speaking, spiritually speaking, the heart is the place that God's trying to get to. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks, right? We're going to get to a helmet of salvation where we think like Christ, but really what's inside of man's heart is going to come out of them, and that's the truth about them. Don't uh, uh, Okay, hang on a second. Uh, for real, though, I need to get my phone out and turn on the app and uh, uh, turn up the hearing aid because I'm sure y'all are saying amen. I just can't hear it. <laughs> now, I turned it up. To, I had it on three. I turned it up to five. Okay, so now I can hear you say amen. Oh, there it is. Wow. That's amazing what technology can do. Okay. <laughs> this sermon will go a lot longer if I have to stop and turn on my hearing aid every time. Okay? All right. So, I heard amen. That was funny. Okay. Where am I at? Okay. The, the, the breastplate of righteousness, it covers our hearts. And the heart is the seat of man. Does that make sense? It's... it's uh, it's, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That doorway is into our heart. And Christ wants to come into our heart, live in our heart, rule on our hearts, reign from the throne of our hearts. And he wants, and it's that part that the enemy's after. 
If he shoots you in the leg with a fiery dart, okay. If he shoots you in the arm and the hand, if he's, okay. But what really, was, he's at, the kill shot is right at the heart of the Christian. And so that's why also I think that there's two layers of defense for the core and the, and the, the, uh, uh, the, the core of the Christian, the heart, the eternal, internal organs. It's righteousness and faith. Which, by the way, Paul says, righteousness is by. Are y'all out there? And so I see this double-edged, uh, not a double-edged, but this two-layer defense system that the heart of the Christian, the, the soul of the Christian, would be defended first by faith that produces righteousness. And that if a fiery dart pierces the heart of a believer, you have to first ask the question, is he that skilled? Or second, was we undefended? Have I put down faith and have I uncovered myself from righteous ways of God that have allowed the fiery darts to penetrate this heart? Well, I'm preaching real good this morning. Okay? So let's talk about that for a second. Stand firm. That word stand, it, it means to, uh, it doesn't mean like a passive standing. It's a very active girding up your loins. You have taken ground and you're holding ground. And you've taken ground and you're holding ground. If you're placed in your life where you're losing ground to whatever it is, a temptation, an addiction, a relationship, uh, whatever it is, if you're losing ground just by the Satan's best tactic, which is compromise. Just giving a little bit, an inch at a time. If we're losing ground, the, the, the instruction of Paul is stand firm and put on the full armor of God. Tie up the robe, tie up this thing, gird your loins, get ready for action, and the first actual piece of armor. Remember I taught you last week that truth really isn't armor. It's what you do to put the armor on. You gird up your loins with truth, and now that I've applied truth, I can put righteousness on top of that truth. That's the same way, that, uh, that the same kind of reason that, that Isaiah introduces these themes in, 50, in the 59th chapter of his prophecy, truth has fallen in the streets. The answer is gird up with truth and put on righteousness. Does that make sense? So, to better understand why it's so necessary to have our, our, our core, our chest cavity, the seat of our soul, the seat of our, our, our affection for Christ. What's the great commandment? Love God and love to have that seed of affection for God and for people, to have, it, to have it covered and protected. If you are able to offend and be easily offended, you're exposed. If you can harbor bitterness in your heart, you're exposed. There are fiery darts of the enemy. This is what we think fiery darts of the enemy are. We think fiery darts of the enemy is um, when something bad happens to you. That's not fiery darts of the enemy. In this world, you will have trouble. Fiery darts of the enemy is when something bad happens to you, Satan takes a shot after it happens to see if you're covered or not. So when someone does something that could be offensive, we can, you can't stop that. 
When somebody does something and they're just being a ridiculous individual, that's the PG way to say it, amen? They're being a ridiculous individual. That's not the shot. The shot is after somebody acts that way, Satan says, okay, let's see what they got on. Can offense enter to that heart? Can rejection pierce that armor? Can uh, 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 hatred and bitterness, you see what I'm saying? And so, um, and so what we have to do is we have to make sure we're armored up that, because we're going to encourage in a war, again, the whole analogy is this man of righteousness, this man of war who's uh, going to get the armor on and he's going to take God, ground for kingdom of God, right? And so the idea of a soldier going out isn't that wherever he walks, everybody just bends their knee and everybody just says, uh, all hail Chester, we're just going to do what you want. The enemy doesn't see me coming and just lay down. I know you've been taught that. That's not in the scripture anywhere. Actually, what happens is you have to overcome the enemy. Why is there instruction of overcoming if overcoming isn't necessary? Um, Again. And so there's going to be some struggle. There's going to be some times where you have to battle a spirit. We we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and powers, or principalities and spirits in high places, this present age. We're going to wrestle. You're going to battle some things. And when you battle those things, you're going to get shot at by nature of being in the war. And when you're shot at, and people go, I can't believe they shot at me. It's amazing how unbiblically Christians think. Surprised that the world would be against them and surprised that there would be struggle of unity and peace and relation in the church. There's a false utopian idea that church family has no problems and no struggle. Your family has problems and struggle. Don't you dare look at your wife right now. Your family, why would you assume that you would be a part of a spiritual family where most of the New Testament is written and saying things like, you got to get along. You have to love one another. You got to forgive that person. Paul writes to the Philippians and calls two women out by name. You want me to get biblical? (laughs) Missy, Hannah. (laughs) Hannah Passmore. I gotta get specific. But we have this idea, we have this utopian just just farce that I join a church, I'm involved in a community of people, and no one's ever gonna hurt my feelings. No one's ever gonna say anything that 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 that's offensive or anything. And it's a lie. And it's a lie that, that Hale's okay with because he knows if you believe that lie, that's why I mean to put on the belt of he knows if you believe that lie then you'll just let your guard down, expose your heart to every whim, not keep on that breastplate of righteousness and not have something to defend your heart. And so a Christian who's more mature is not the Christian who avoids every arrow. It's the Christian who's guarded against every arrow, not guarded against people. What I'm, what, here's, what, here's what the thing is. It, it doesn't mean that I'm guarding your heart. I'm I'm guarding myself against you. It means I'm protecting my heart. 
So when the fence comes and rejection comes and whatever comes, the first thing you check is your own heart. And you can talk to me all day long about the heart of the person shooting the arrow. But righteousness covers your heart. So how will, and so somebody's sister so-and-so says something to brother so-and-so, and man, it's, it was a, just, a, just a terrible thing to say, and that's not the arrow. The arrow is afterwards. Satan goes, okay, grab an arrow. Let's see if that heart's covered. Let's see if I can, let's see if I can shoot in there and plant a seed of disunity or reject. You see what I'm saying? So that's why our hearts must be covered in righteousness. Because what is righteous? Righteousness is the character of God. Righteousness is who he is. Everything he does and every way he responds to any situation is right. Just. Everything he does, any situation, he does it perfectly. He does it right. And when we do it like he does, it is righteous. So my heart being covered in righteousness is I might have permission to whatever because somebody's shooting at me, but, but my heart must be right. Does that make sense? You may have every excuse in the world to harbor bitterness, but is it righteous? What's your heart covered in? What's protecting the seat of your soul in salvation? Righteousness. Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs was pretty wise. That's why it's called a book of wisdom. In chapter 4, verse 18, he says, But the path of the... Come on, say it real loud. The path of the... The path of the righteous. There is a way... Not just a pathway, but the way you walk the pathway. That the righteous travel, and there's a way and a pathway, and a way they walk that pathway, the unrighteous travel. And it shows. You've never seen a man or a woman walking in a offense and rejection and person, all this kind of stuff, a, a, a grumbling and complaining, right? You've never seen a person walk down that road in that way and go, that's a righteous person. Aren't they just so righteous? But you've watched people encounter uh, real obstacles that require real overcoming with real shots of the enemy shot at them and you've watched them who would not lend their mouth to destruction, who would not raise their lips in gossip or slander or tearing down. You've watched people walk out those different things. And man, if that happened to me, I'd have words. Remember one time specifically in, a, in, in one situation, I was praying in the Holy Spirit. And I had, and, and you have, when you have this power to harm people, the Holy Spirit said, what kind of man do you want to be? Even if you're justified to exercise that power, what kind of man do you want to be? Righteous? Oh, you've got permission to say things that are factual. But is it covered in truth and righteousness? You see what I'm saying here? The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. Whenever you're around a righteous person, man, the room lights up. Versus 
when you're around somebody who's grumbling, complaining, causing dissension, causing uh, division in the body, someone who's, who, who's watched too much of the news, uh, somebody who's just regurgitating what Fox News and CNN is saying, gloom, doom, and despair. When you're around that person and everything's negative, you, you don't go, man, you light up the room. You're around that person and you go, man, I need to go take a chemical bath shower thing, like a hazmat suit after that, because you just, you're, you just the, the stuff that's vomiting out of your mouth is terrible. Perhaps when they get quiet, it means something. But the righteous, man, that person walks into the room and you may be having a bad day and their countenance lights up the room. Stephen is being martyred and before he even starts preaching his message, his face is shining like the sun, the scripture says. Because he's walking in righteousness and he's about to tell some truth and it's going to get him killed. It's going to get him killed. And the people who are throwing the stones, the righteousness covering Stephen's heart, the last words on his mouth is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And a young man named Saul was standing there with coats at his feet. And that act of forgiveness that hit his ears and struck his heart later so impacted Saul when he became Paul, saved by the grace of God, re-preached Stephen's sermon at Mars Hill and almost got him killed too. Because whenever you walk in righteousness, when your chest is covered in righteousness, when the enemy can't penetrate the heart, and you have the heart of God, it lights up whatever room you walk into. Changes the atmosphere where you go. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter till it's the fullness of day. How many say, raise hand, that's how I would like to be referred to. That's how I want to be seen. Where I walk, where I go, it's like, it, it, it just it brightens the whole day, everybody around them. It's better to say, oh, yeah, hey, buddy, how you doing? Than, oh, here they come. <laughs> There's three types of people you meet at Walmart. <laughs> Two of them you run from. One is somebody you want to talk to and you are like, oh, you're so happy you saw them by chance. Right? Yay! Hello! Right? The second one is you like that person, but if you know you talk to them, it's going to be half an hour. And you got places to be. Not, Not that that person is bad. They just haven't ever found the off switch. Do not name names. Okay. The third person is the person who says, I'm having a good day. I don't want to talk to them. Because that person just spews. Right? How you doing? Well, I tell you the truth. Actually, it's not the truth. It's a present reality that's not covered in truth. Well, are you just faking it till you make it? Actually, I'm trying to put position my heart in truth. You can call it fake all you want to, but the scripture says something to me in my present reality because reality is not truth, but the truth of God's word is true over every reality. And so the thing is, is, is you, you talk to that person and you're, having a, you're, you're in the presence of God, you're having a good day, but you know if you talk to that person, you're, you're going to get vomited on. Well, how you doing? Right? 
doesn't mean we don't ever share a struggle, but if the only time you speak struggle comes out of your mouth, it's a heart issue. Okay, we'll move on. Verse 19 says this. The way of the wicked is like darkness. And what happens when you're in dark? You stumble. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know over what they will stumble. That word stumble there is the biblical concept of tripped up, offended. And I'm telling you, if we don't live in a world where people are tripped up over everything, they don't even know what they're tripped up (laughs) over. Y'all need to say amen to that one. That one's I mean, people are offended at everything. They don't even know what they're offended at anymore because their world is so dark. Their world is so void of light. It takes nothing to trip them up because nothing is all they see. There's no vision for a brighter future. There's no vision for, um, for, for, uh, uh, to walk in the glory of the noonday. All they see is darkness, and they would literally trip over a blade of grass because they're so in darkness, that's all they know and see. So we can identify why the world is so tripped up and offended, stumbling over everything, and, but we have an answer. We can go put light into the darkness. Oh, you church, you city on a hill. You are like a light. Let it shine. Do not cover it up. Let it shine and let the whole city see the light of God. Let the darkness flee in the city because there's a people who brought the noonday light of God's glory. Because they weren't offended. You can't be offended at your city and still shine brightly in it. Boy, I'm going to get back on that just for a second. I am tired and sick of people complaining about Eldorado, Arkansas. You cannot be a voice of light and regurgitate darkness at the same time. You can complain, you can point out certain realities, or you can lend your voice to prophesy to dry bones that they would live again. God puts you in this city. Gripe at him. Say to him what you're saying to us. God puts you in this city with the people in this city full of their every sin you want to imagine. Why you want to gripe about South Arkansas in this city whenever you got light inside of you. You can never go shine the light somewhere else that you're not willing to shine right at home. I'm preaching good now. So the way the wicked is like darkness, they do not know over what they stumble. And man, if, there's a, if there is a, a verse for a generation that's living today, it's, it's, it's the idea that there is so much darkness, they stumble over everything, and they don't even know what they're offended at. It's the fact that somebody spoke. Political correctness run amok. Right? Can't say this, can't say that. The heart posture doesn't matter. It's every, everything is superficial and on the outside layer. And everything hurts my feelings. And it's a sign that you're in utter darkness. We sang a song earlier that's really not appropriate for 2022. It's that, what's the line in the song, Hannah? It's something about arrows of truth and I don't care. Right? Right? What's, how's it go? A truth that cuts like an arrow in the next line, and I'll say it anyway. And yet we have a spirit of age that's saying, don't speak truth, you might hurt somebody's feelings. 
And truth is the only thing that puts forth light. Okay, we'll have to move on. Oh, looky there, modern technology. If the truth cuts like an arrow, I'll say it anyway, because here I am, Lord, send me. If it means they'll reject me, they'll reject me. I'm going to say this in love, and some of y'all are not going to like what I'm about to say. If you're constantly battling rejection, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It means you got your heart way too exposed. You're constantly battling rejection and shame and all this kind of stuff. I'm saying to you, you can be healed, but you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness because the enemy is just going to keep shooting those darts in there until you cover it with the righteousness of God. His word is more powerful than a man's word over your life. It should be. So let's skip on down to verse 23, I believe it is. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Watch over... Many of your Bibles say guard. Like what does a breastplate do? It guards. Guard your heart with all diligence. Tell me if this describes your life. I am diligently guarding my heart. I am focused Diligent, uh, sober-minded. I'm aware of the tactics of the enemy, right? And I am diligently guarding my heart with the righteousness, bright breastplate of God. I'm diligently guarding my heart. Guard your heart with all diligence, for from the heart springs forth life. And the whole point of the enemy who wants to kill is to take an arrow and shoot it right into the spring of life. The core, the center, the source of where your spiritual life comes. He wants to take that arrow, that fire on it, and he wants to shoot it. And the believer ought to be doubly guarded. Against that arrow ever penetrating our heart. By faith and by righteousness. With righteousness comes by faith. By faith and by righteousness I am doubly guarded that no arrow of the enemy should be able to penetrate this heart. Satan is not skilled enough to overcome Fashioned armor in the, uh, in, the, in the smithing of God himself. Out of the fire of God himself who fashions this breastplate, who fashions that shield, there is not a chance that an arrow of the enemy can penetrate that faith and penetrate that righteousness. The only chance you have to get shot is to let down faith and remove righteousness from your heart and expose yourself to the enemy. Satan's arrow is not strong enough to get through faith. Satan's arrow is not strong enough to get through righteousness. You have to turn your back on the, or you have to, you see what I'm saying? By faith, righteousness, the two-layered system of protecting our heart, the place where the spring of life comes from. And I'm preaching good. Y'all need to listen to this on the Apple podcast, Church of the Armory. That's a, not really a joke, but okay. 
Let's go on. I want to say this one more time. The breastplate of, of, of righteousness is fashioned by God. Hear what I'm saying. This is where we get into this, this thing where people don't understand righteousness. I'm saying righteousness comes from God. Any form that teaches you that you can earn your own righteousness is religion at its root. Somebody say amen. You don't form your own righteousness. You don't get your own righteousness. You're, you can't earn the righteousness of God. You're not good enough. Amen. The breastplate of righteousness is fashioned in the, in the, in the silversmithing, in, in, in the, the heat, the oven of God, where he pounds that thing out by his son being pounded on the cross. That he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the... Well, that's good. And so God pounded out this righteousness in his son, and now he gives us this breastplate of righteousness prophesied all the way back from the time of Isaiah that we would put it on... And the righteousness was fashioned by God, and it is God's. You can't earn it. You didn't deserve it. The other side of the coin is this. Please go back to Ephesians chapter 6 for me and throw up that verse. The indicative of the righteous breastplate is this. Having put on. God is not the dresser of the warrior here. We have a responsibility to make sure with diligence that we are covering our heart with the righteous, putting on righteousness. And you will find yourself at times going, man, I'm, that stung a little more than it's supposed to. Well, oh, yeah, I'm exposed. Oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't guard it with faith. I didn't guard it with righteousness. You have to put on the righteousness of God. You have to make a choice to believe the truth of God's word over the lie of the enemy. <coughs> you have to put on God's righteousness. So when someone does something to you and then the enemy follows up with an arrow, they hate you. Right? By the way, the scripture says you will be hated. I mean, it's so easy. It's like, well, yeah, Satan, they probably do hate me, but they don't hate me because Jesus said if they hate you, they hated me. So they really hate Jesus, and I'm just a good guy to pour that hate out on too. Right? You don't want to witness to people because you're afraid they might be mean to you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ in you. But what an honor has been to be rejected with Christ. Instead of having our hearts covered because we're at war, we have our, our hearts covered because somebody was mean to us when we tried to witness it to them, so we run like little whooped puppy dogs away from the situation with our feelings hurt. Rather than going, I was at war in the first place. Hey, you should go, I, I got something's attention. Not someone, something, that spirit inside of them. It, it went, hey, and you know, I got your attention, buddy. I'm coming after you. That some of the church has been taught to run and tuck tail and run at the first sign of rejection because our hearts are so exposed to the arrows of the enemy, we don't know how to deal. That was cool. I heard my shoe go squeak. <laughs> Put on righteousness. 
not your righteousness. Put on his breastplate of righteousness and guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life with all diligence. And go to war. Amen? Go to battle against some forces that aren't flesh and blood and strike them suckers down. And go, no, 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 spirit. You're not going to make me believe about that person what you want me to believe. I'll say what the Lord says. We're going to strike the spirit down and we're going to see this person rise up in resurrection. We're going to see this person saved, born again, delivered, and healed. We're going to see this person healed of whatever's going on inside of them that makes them act the way they do because you've given me the ministry of reconciliation, not counting people's sins against them. But see, we're in a church where we, we think the sort of the spirit is just cut heads. Not in a church specifically, like we're in a time of the church age where we just want to cut heads and watch them roll and be done with you. Which means our hearts aren't covered in. Having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. One more scripture here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Righteousness and faith are two um, pieces of the armor that are defense mechanisms, right? It's shielding me. I love, I mean, you can't, I, I've been seeing so much of this tied together throughout scripture, righteousness and faith and shield and breastplate. Isaiah prophesied this. Abraham is known as the father of the, that wasn't my hearing aid. Abraham is known as the father of, and what does he describe God as? His shield and his exceedingly great reward. I'm not preaching the shield of faith message yet, but just a little teaser here. Abraham says, you are my shield and my exceedingly great reward. When trying to define faith, the writer of Hebrews calls in the, the definition of faith that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a of those who diligently seek him. Right? So faith and righteousness and reward and shield and all these things gather up to make one armor defense mechanism where that Satan ought to have to be able to shoot through your faith and shoot through his, righteous, through his righteousness on your life to be able to ever penetrate your heart. Amen? But not only is it a defense, but it's also a weapon. 2 Corinthians, I want you to read this. Paul's talking about, I love when Paul writes, he likes to do these things that I like. It's, it's, like, uh, the, it's like the yin and yang. It's the versus thing. It's like, it's really, really good and it's really, really bad. Either way, Jesus is king. Right? Too uh, so much bad theology teaches that Jesus is king only when everything is good. Good theology teaches that Jesus is king. Period. Which, by the way, I learned the other day that if you're texting and you put a period at the end, you're being passive-aggressive to a, a generation in darkness who's offended by everything. <laughs> How many have heard this? Oh, my goodness. Yes, this is Google it. Google it. If you, if you text, right, Lexi? Lexi is one of them people who went to college and came back a little. Ooh, I tell you, hey, so um, <laughs> if you're texting and, and you put a period at the end, they're being passive-aggressive. I'm like, I'm the most passive-aggressive I know. It's called punctuation. Yeah, y'all boomers. Okay, so listen. This is a P 
People who are offended at everything. I got offended at your karma. <laughs> anyway. I've got way off the trail. Come back. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This is Paul describing his ministry time. And working together with him. Look at me. Another way to say this, Paul's describing his ministry time. He's also might be describing, I don't know, the act of being a good soldier. He makes the analogy multiple places, right? Having fought the good fight. That's Paul. Take on the full armor of God. This is Paul. So Paul giving us a glimpse into what the good soldier looks like and the war and the struggle, the victory and the defeat that we go through. Working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What is the point of receiving salvation by grace through faith, righteousness imputed into us if we're going to treat it and hold it in vain? Oh, quiet we are. What's the point of having this precious gift bestowed upon us if we'll treat it so lightly as to not protect our hearts, as to not guard that thing with all diligence? This is what Paul's saying. Treat this thing. Treat that grace. Protect it. Don't treat it in vain. For he says... At the acceptable time I listened to you, and the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Give no cause for offense in anything. Soldier, warrior. Man or woman of God with the precious gift of grace and salvation. First thing I want to say to you is do not over anything become offended. No cause for that word there to stumble. Like the one in the dark who trips over anything. He could have started with a thousand different things. The first thing he says to this, to this warring soldier in, my, in, in, in our context today. No cause for offense in anything. And man, I'm telling you, there was a day when I thought everybody in this church was offended at everything. But I'm going to tell you, I've not, I've not felt that in a long time around here. And I, it makes me very happy. I think it makes God very happy too. But if you're struggling with offense in your life, stop talking about what the other person's doing. Go get along with God and get that breastplate of righteousness covering your heart. And go pick up a shield of faith and begin to defend your heart like it's the life. Not from that person. From spirit. Understanding what's happening in reality, in truth. Not just the reality you see. And battle that spirit. And you win. Right? The only way you get knocked back is if it hits your heart. But as long as you're defended, you're taking ground, standing ground. If you're getting knocked back, your heart's exposed. Glad you came to church today. <laughs> Giving no cause for offense in most anything except, um, well, never mind. I'm not, I'm not going to be a smart alcohol now. No cause for offense in anything. Why, Paul? I wear fists like a badge of honor. 
I'm the most offended person I know. Why can't I be offended? What they did was really offensive. Because the ministry will be discredited. The ministry will be discredited if you're offended all the time. If somebody visits this church and all they look around and see is offended people, the church is discredited. If your testimony is one of a man of God at work, but you're offended all the time, all they see is discredited faith. Their faith isn't real enough to get you not offended at somebody who's lost. The only credit we have is the fact that we actually behave and live like Christ. Well, you know, that person, I saw that person cuss his face and he, and he took it like a Christian. And the world sees it like taking it and backing down, but what we see it is in the spiritual realm, I'm eating a demon's head off. You see what I'm saying? And, 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 and maybe you felt like you lost that day, but everyone who watched you watched a living testimony of what righteousness looks like. But the moment we give in to the flesh and the moment we uncover our hearts and the moment we become offended, the moment we lash out in the flesh, we discredit any faith we say we walk in. Number one, number one thing the world calls the church is what? Hypocritical. Before they'll call us anything, they call us hypocritical. It's because we have discredited the ministry. I'm preaching real good. And these hearing aids, I hear it. I'm preaching real good. Giving no cause for offense in anything so that ministry will not be discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God. I am here to bow down my knee and serve. In much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, literal for Paul. Imprisonments, literal. Tumulates. I don't know what that is, but it's literal. I even said it wrong, didn't I? What? what, what say it, somebody said, "Huh?" I can't hear you. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Labor, sleeplessness, hunger. Yeah, bad, bad, bad. Impurity, knowledge, patience, kindness. It's what Paul's doing in the bad things and in the good things. In the sleepless nights and in the kindness. In the Holy Spirit, in genuine love, in the word of truth, in the power of God. How are you doing it? By the weapons of righteousness. How do you withstand the good stuff and the bad stuff? How are you the same man or woman no matter what comes your way? How do we do it? Look right here. How do we do it? How can you be so consistent? Not on the mountain, not in the valley, not in and out, not uh, lukewarm. How are you so consistent? By the weapon of righteousness. God's righteousness applied to my heart 
put on, God's righteousness put on to where I, listen to me, listen to me, to where I don't in my heart feel the way my heart feels. I feel like what I put on. Does that make sense? So in the word of truth and power of God, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, by regarded as deceivers and yet were true. You are a liar, but we're true. As unknown and well-known, as dying, yet behold, we live. As punished, yet not punished to the point of death. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich. As I'm poor, but giving away the wealth of the kingdom. Right? As having nothing, yet possessing all things. How did I do this? By the weapons of righteousness. are doing so much better at this but I'm here to remind you today that Paul said one of the pieces of the armor was to cover our hearts with his righteousness and that that and faith would protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy and if you're in a situation where you feel the enemy's arrows, accusations, temptations, offense, hatred, bitterness, whatever it is, if you're in a situation where you feel those things penetrating your heart, it's time to look down and see if your heart's covered. And it's time to reach down and pick up faith. And it's time to stand your ground. Stand up on your feet. Pastor Chester, are you telling me that if something bad happens to me, it's my fault? I'm not telling you that if something bad happens to you, it's your fault. I'm telling you the only thing you have control over is not what anybody else does or even what the spirit out there does. What you have control over is your own heart. Cover your heart with his righteousness. This week I put on a video. It's like these, it's a man and a woman who are just doing worship for like 35 minutes. From, I believe they're from Africa somewhere. I just sat on my chair in the living room and put on this video, turned it up loud, and just sit there and tears rolled down my face as I listened to the worship and the heart of God. Why you do that? Because if I don't, I'm not a very good person. Why do you got to pray, Pastor Chester? Why do you got to get in the word so much? Why do you got to? Because if I don't put on the righteousness of God, if I don't get in his word, uh, James says, no, no, James, no, John says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. I've got to go practice righteousness to get my heart right. You see what I'm saying? I can't just hope to show up to war and go, oh, man, I probably should have put that on. 
Do you know what it's, look at me, do you know what it's like to swing the sword of the word and of the spirit having that breastplate on? Does it, inhib- does it you know what it feels like to move with that thing on? Well, you got to practice. You need to go practice loving people that are hard to love. You need to practice um, catching yourself in a moment of offense, stopping before you go too far, shutting it down, getting your heart right in God. But what about them? Let God handle it. You You guard your heart and let God handle it. Amen? You battle things in the spirit realm and believe that what you pray and battle in the spirit realm has more effect than what you see in the natural. That's where the faith part comes in, is we really don't believe by faith that prayer's working anymore. We really have lost our belief that, that praying over a situation is just as powerful as reacting to a situation. I'm not touching my ear, but I want to. We got to believe that doing it God's way actually works. Are y'all out there? So, Father God, I pray. First of all, my prayer is twofold. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. So grateful and honored to be a part of a people, to be a part of a family who choose love and mercy over forgiveness and bitterness. God, I've seen so much of it exemplified inside of this church, inside of this community, and so so honored to be a part of the people who choose the ways of God and his righteousness over the ways of the flesh. Now pray, God, that you would help us to grow and increase, that you would keep our hearts diligent to be guarded, that we would fulfill Proverbs chapter 4, guarding our hearts with diligence, that we would not get lax or we would not get... Uh, complacent and compromised we would be diligent to cover our hearts not exposing any of it to the enemy in Jesus name God honor your people prepare them for war prepare them to take ground for the kingdom